theoretically. So what else? We have a lot going on around here. We are restarting our Tuesday night Zooms this week at 7 on Tuesday evenings and encourage you to Zoom in for that. So we are beginning a new sermon series today. We're going to be moving through the book of Isaiah, and we have a the, the Bible study, the Tuesday night Bible study, will be following along with the content that we develop uh, during church on Sunday mornings, um, but it will be more, there'll be more. It's like better, but different. More better-ish, yes. So... This week, we're going to kind of focus on an overview of the book of Isaiah. So if you would like to zoom in and kind of learn and figure out the bigger picture of what we're doing, uh, that will be available to you Tuesday night at 7. And then once a month throughout this series, uh, we will have an, an evening, a Tuesday night Bible study devoted to the connections between the book of Isaiah and Handel's Messiah. Um, so that's going to be some of our classically trained musicians in the church will be helping us to develop those uh, pieces of content, those relationships between uh, Handel's great work. Will, what's Handel's first name? George. George Frederick Handel. And it's not Handel or anything. He was English, right? Yeah. So, no? He was. No? Where was he from? German. He was German? He, yeah. he was in English for a long time. Did he write in English? Yeah. Okay, just checking. All right. I didn't know he was German, but it makes sense. The last name, yeah, gives it away. All right. So once a month throughout the series, we will be looking at those connections between Handel's Messiah and the book of Isaiah. Um, we've called the sermon series uh, Messiah Song, and Isaiah, the book of Isaiah was originally written uh, in poetry and would often have been uh, recited by a cantor in a Jewish synagogue or sung to God's people. So it all kind of makes sense, and that's the way we're going with it. And uh, so I encourage you to follow along there Sunday mornings and Tuesday evenings. We have a youth planning meeting coming up one week from today, youth group planning meeting. We will go over uh, the, the game plan for the rest of this semester for youth group Bible study. We will go over the game plan for uh, summer youth uh, missions trip through Blueprint. And we will also give you the opportunity to sign up for dates for the summer youth sermon series if your youth will be participating in that. So you can plan ahead. Let's see, we have a men's night coming up on the 28th. I am realizing as I speak, I probably should have planned for us to take the nativity scene down today. Uh, can we do that, Scott, you think? Maybe. Maybe after church today. If not today, next week. So uh, next week, we have several votes for next week. Do, you conc- do I have a second, Mr. Lawler? Okay. All right, next week we... we We bring out the Scrooges, and we take down Christmas. All right, fair enough. Um, Okay, I think that's a good start. Did I forget anything? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? What? Okay. What was the look saying? I couldn't tell you. 
I think it was saying, I'm so blessed to have you as my pastor. I cannot even fathom how awesome this is. Good. All right. Well, why don't I have all of the important people in the room come down to the front for our children's chat before you go to Hope for Kids? Good morning. How are y'all doing today? Good, good. Yes, ma'am. So over spring break, you're going to Disney World. And Legoland? Yep. Awesome. Do you need any pastoral supervision while you're there? No. What? No. I think you should. Anyway. So a long, long time ago, before Jesus was born there was a prophet in the Old Testament named Isaiah. Do you know what a prophet is or was? Anyone? Anyone? Take a guess. Yes? A messenger from God. Yeah, we'll take that. So the prophet, the prophet was, his job was to speak, his or her job was to speak to God's people the Word of God, all right? So where do we find the Word of God? Where do we find the Word of God? Hello? Where do we find the Word of God? In the Bible, right? And one of the books of the Bible was written by a prophet named Isaiah. And Isaiah lived before Jesus was born... Um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever sinned? Yes. Yes, me too, right? And does God like it when we sin? No. No. And so how does God deal with our sin? Do you know this? Yes. He, he forgives us and gives us a second chance. And his son, Jesus, came to be one of us to take our sins from us on the cross, he suffered so that we can be free and forgiven, right? So our sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. But Isaiah lived before Jesus was born, right? So here's what Isaiah said about our sin. I'm going to read it out of this version here. He said... Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So Isaiah knew before Jesus was ever born, that God would send someone called the Messiah to take our sins away, to forgive us, to give us God's forgiveness and his grace and his love, and to bring us into God's family forever. And did you know that's why we sing? We sing because we have a God 
who is the God of glory, the God of grace, the God of forgiveness, the God that we praise and give thanks to for the forgiveness and love that he has shown to us. So that's why we're doing the series this right now called Messiah Song, because we sing because God sent his Son to be our Messiah, our Savior, the one who would bring forgiveness for our sins. Can I pray for you guys before you go to Hope for Kids? All right. Dear God, I pray your blessing over these precious children. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and that you would minister your word to their hearts as they study more of the book of Isaiah this morning in Hope for Kids. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lead them into a deeper understanding of your love for them through Jesus Christ, the Messiah to whom we sing. We pray your blessing over them and their teachers and this time we have in your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a great time and hope for kids. All right. Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning? God, our loving Father, we... Come before you as we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us and grow us more and more into the men and women of God that you created us to be. We lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word this morning. We give you our sins and disappointments, and we thank you for the forgiveness and grace that are ours in Jesus Christ. We lift before you those relationships in our lives that are strained, and we pray for your peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift before you those whom we know and love who are in need of your healing mercies, and we just pray that you would pour out your spirit and your healing upon them. Uh, We lift up especially this morning uh, Annie Masterson as she has a little fever. We just pray that you would uh, take that away and restore her to full health so she can return to school Uh, this week. We just pray for all the others that we know and love who are sick or recovering or facing uncertain diagnoses, and we just pray your healing mercies over them. We lift up our country and its leaders at every level of government elected and appointed, and we pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform who serve to protect and defend the constitution of this land, and we pray you would watch over and protect them. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. We ask that you would bring them home safely. We lift up those servicemen and women who were separated from their families uh, due to their deployments. And we just pray that you would be at work both uh, far away and on the home front to uh, strengthen those families. Use us to minister to them. And Lord, we lift up those men and women who've returned home from their service changed. And we just pray that you would use us, your people, to reach out to them, to extend your healing, your grace, and your um, love to them. And Father, we lift up your church here at Hope and around the world, and we just pray that your word would continue to go forth through your people, and that it would not return to you empty. We lift especially those churches that we are related to in our denomination that are being planted in Texas right now. We lift up... uh, our church in Katy and New Braunfels and in Austin, and we just pray your blessing over those young works. And we lift up all the missionaries we support, and we pray especially for 
our sister church in Kamahuani, Cuba. We just pray that you would continue to bless and grow uh, your work in their midst. We thank you for this time together in your word. Be with us now. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. All right. So, we just have a, a small task before us for the next uh, little while, and that's to go through the little bitty book of Isaiah, the 60-some-odd chapters. Uh, this is one of the longer works in the Old Testament, um, and it is a rich and complicated work, and we're going to take a look throughout the next several weeks at this as not just as a piece of literature, but as God's Word speaking to us. And our hope is to go through the first, I don't know, 52 chapters of Isaiah up over the next couple of months so that we land on Easter Sunday in Isaiah chapter 53. And that is the chapter that... Uh, depicts and describes the crucifixion of Christ some 600-some-odd years before it happens, and just a beautiful place to land on Easter Sunday and to contemplate his resurrection and the power of his love and his uh, victory over sin and death. And so that's the goal, and then we'll, we'll kind of go after Easter and kind of go through the rest of Isaiah, which is very forward-looking, um, but there are, there are three themes that Isaiah sort of focuses on in his work. The first is the theme of separation, that, that sin separates us from God. The, the second theme that you see in Isaiah is the theme of salvation, this idea that our sin is not the end. It's not, it's not, our, it's not what ultimately defines who we are and how we live and how we relate to our Creator and then there's this third idea, and this will be largely towards the end of the book, but you will see glimpses of all three of these themes throughout the book. But that third theme is this idea of sanctuary, that God has created for us through the Messiah a place where we find rest and joy and worship and praise and community and fellowship and all the blessings that come with being part of God's family. And so... We're going to look, you, you will see, I, I think, each week of the series, there, so the book of Isaiah has those three main parts, that, that main focus on our separation from God through sin, then a focus on the, the salvation that comes through the Messiah, and then a focus on the sanctuary that we are given through the Messiah. But you will see all of those themes woven throughout the book, and so the first the first section of the book we'll focus on is a little heavy on the separation idea, but you will see those other themes woven in as we read today. So what we're going to do, how we're going to do this, um, is we're going to sort of hit the high points throughout the book of Isaiah as we go along. I would encourage you to get out your Bible during the week and read parts of Isaiah. Read the chapters that, that we take excerpts from during the series, and just let those sort of be your uh, place of reflection throughout the week, so that as we go through the series, you're sort of supplementing 
uh, what we're doing on Sunday morning with the rest of Isaiah, because we can't, well, we could, we could do every verse of Isaiah. It would take about five years, um, maybe longer. Uh, but what we're going to do is just try to hit those high points, and then I would encourage you, again, just fill in the blanks, fill in the, the gaps throughout the week. Read the book of Isaiah. Read this week, chapters 1 and 2. Just take it easy, a little bit at a time. And when you're reading a, an Old Testament prophet, there's a couple things I want to just encourage you toward. One is, is keep reading. Sometimes you can get bogged down when the prophet's talking about God's judgment and wrath against sin, and it's very uh, overwhelming. Uh, keep reading, because Isaiah especially will, will fold back to these other themes of salvation and sanctuary uh, quite routinely. And so it's worth pers- persevering through some of the tougher spots to get to those sweet spots. Um, the other thing that, that I think, and you'll see this in the text that we're reading today, the other thing that's, that's important to remember about prophecy is prophecy, is, which is, this is the genre of the book of Isaiah. It's called prophecy. It's an Old Testament office. There was the prophet, the priest, and the king. Um, and the prophet's job was to tell it like it is, to, to tell people what God wants them and needs them to hear. And, or to tell people what God wants them to hear and tell people what God knows they need to hear. And so you'll see those three themes woven in and out of all of what Isaiah is saying. But there's, a, there's an aspect of all prophecy that has a conditional element to it. It goes like this. If, if you listen, if you obey, if you respond, if you engage with your Creator through His Word you will grow, you will be blessed, you will be uh, closer to him and to others around you. And it's not that life will work out better, that's not what God says. It's that his blessing, his growth, the fruit of your relationship with him will be borne out more fully. And if you don't, or maybe we should say when you and I choose not to listen, not to obey, not to connect with our Creator through His Word, well, there are natural consequences to those choices. And so God lays out for us in prophecy a reminder that He loves us, that He has a plan for us, and that when we are in harmony with Him, we grow. And when we are in disharmony with Him, we suffer. And then the beauty of Isaiah is God says, basically, I know, I know your heart. I know you're not going to get this right every time. And so I'm going to send one, a Messiah, a Savior, who will deal with this sin and restore your relationship, bring you to salvation and into sanctuary and relationship with God forever. So, those are the kind of big overarching ideas I want you to engage this work with. And then I'm going to lead us through Isaiah, some excerpts from Isaiah chapters 1 and 2 this morning. And then we'll discuss how those might relate to our own lives. So uh, you have in your bulletin, if you have one, 
the excerpts that I'm going to be reading from. It'll be on the screen behind me. You're welcome to follow along in your Bible. And there's, there's, uh, it's not a party foul if while I'm preaching you're reading the rest of Isaiah chapter 1. Right? That's okay. You're allowed to read God's Word anytime. They have my full and, and well, my full permission and support. All right. So, <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and then I'm going to just jump through parts of chapter 1 and parts of chapter 2. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which we saw, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then moving to chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall come forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So, you see just in those excerpts, those, all of those themes and all of those aspects of prophecy. You see the theme of our separation from God due to sin. You see the promise of salvation. And you see this idea that we will be at peace with God and sanctuary with him forever. And you also see these conditional aspects. If you listen, you will be blessed 
If you don't, <laughs> there will be consequences. And so let me just begin with a little bit of context. So Isaiah is a prophet in what we would call ancient Israel in the, in the region called Judah. And after King Solomon was king, his son uh, broke the kingdom. There was a civil war, and, t- and his, there was a, a division between ten tribes and then Judah. And Judah is the tribe, the region of Israel where Jerusalem was. And so this little one tribe of Israel that was left, we, 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 you can see this idea of a remnant throughout this book as well, um, is where the temple is and the altar are. And the temple was up on a hill. There, Jerusalem was built on a series of hills. And it was called the Mountain of the Lord because the temple was there. Um, it's not that high. It's not really, you wouldn't call it a mountain. Certainly not if you lived in like Colorado or New Mexico, you would not call this a mountain. It's a hill. Um, but to the people who lived there, it was called a mountain because of its, its prominence, its importance, and the centrality uh, of God's people. And so you hear this discussion in Isaiah of the mountain of the Lord being the, the highest. It will be lifted up. It will be the highest of the mountains. That's not a, geograph- a geographic description. It's a spiritual description. Because of what will happen there, we will be forgiven. And it will take this place of prominence in our lives spiritually. So Isaiah is speaking in a time when the little divided kingdom of Judah, where the temple and the altar reside, is both separated from the rest of Israel, and the rest of Israel has, or is falling, or has fallen to a foreign invading force. And what will come next is fairly inevitable, that once the other tribes of Israel have fallen to the kingdom of Assyria, in their case, another power will eventually come and swipe the little postage stamp of Judah off the face of the planet. That force would eventually be the king of Babylon, who then, he gets taken over by the the king of Persia, the Medes and the Persians, and you actually see this described by Isaiah, like he sees it all coming. And so we'll, we'll talk about that later in the series, but for now... We have um, a prophet speaking to a people who are doomed, whose future is all but fixed, and there's just a matter of how long until their kingdom falls and their lives are destroyed. And so Isaiah is trying to bring into this context two things. He's trying to bring hope. And he's trying to bring what we would call repentance. He wants people who were far from God to turn around and embrace their creator again. And so we are to ask ourselves, as Isaiah basically says to God's people, listen, listen, listen to the voice of your creator. We are to ask ourselves, what is it that God wants us to hear. And 
So, think about this for a moment. How many parallels are there between the current context in which we live and the context in which Isaiah's listeners lived? Well, on the premise that human nature has not changed in the past several thousand years, I would, I would argue there are many, many parallels. That Isaiah is speaking to a people who are far from God, who have other priorities, other religious interests, if you will. And, well, look around us. Um, we are riddled with competitors for God's attention in our lives, or our attention for God. And we don't listen, we stray, we mess up, we stumble, we fall. It's the same story. And so if we are to listen to this work in the way that I think God wants us to listen to it, we should begin by, by hearing the discord in the notes that come through these verses. That is, the discord between God's righteousness and our sinfulness, God's wholeness and our brokenness, God's purity and our tainted nature, that somewhere in that is a problem that we cannot fix. I don't know about you, um, but I cannot atone for my own sins. it's It's a problem that man has had since, well, Adam and Eve left the garden. And we are dependent on another, on the hope that another will provide for the atonement of our sin. And so this is the tone that Isaiah takes, but before he goes there, um, and I'm sure there are terms for this musically, Will, um, like in a horror movie, those terrible notes they play to build tension, what do you call that? Dissonance, okay, all right. So there's this this disharmony, this discord in the notes built into what's being played that makes you feel uneasy, right? Well, that's exactly what Isaiah is doing. He's he's playing the horror movie, um, you know, like listen, people, listen. There's a problem, and the problem is very simple. We are not right. We're not good. We're not holy. We're not pure. We're broken. And if you keep listening past that point, you will hear the promise of the Messiah. So let's begin by listening, by hearing the discord that's in our own hearts. We are, Isaiah wants us to feel the fullness of the problem. To understand that the sinful world is not out there, it's right here. What's messed up in this universe is right inside of me. Well, you could point here or here or anywhere else, doesn't matter. Um, I am the problem. Don't, no amens. Right? And when we can, when we can see that, and hear that and acknowledge that, we are at the starting point that Isaiah wants us to take in our relationship with God. 
to acknowledge that we are corrupt and we are cut off from God. Verse 4, the last line, they are utterly estranged. This idea that our sin separates us from a holy God, that we have put ourselves in a position of separation and discord. We are to feel the fullness of this problem, and we are to heed the call of the prophet that, that there is a need to move away from our rebellion and to move toward what is just and good. If you've ever had the opportunity to live in, in a country where corruption is rampant, And I don't want to say this in a way that is um, sort of pridefully American, although I am proud to be an American. Um, we have our own set of problems in our country, uh, but I have lived in other countries where the rule of law doesn't work like it does here. Where if, if you get arrested for a crime, you just pay off, the first person in the food chain, because that's always where it's cheapest. Because if you wait, it gets more and more expensive. But that corruption, it, it, inf- it infects the entire society. And the people who suffer the most as a result of that corruption are the ones who do not have the means to buy themselves out of their problem. Those people suffer. They don't get justice. They get the brunt of the system. And I was, uh, I was living in a, a Central American country and working, teaching school, and somebody broke into the school at night. And there was, there were, there was a guy whose job, his name was Francisco, and his job was to be there at night so that nobody would break in. So the police come... And the first person they arrest is the night watchman, because obviously he was in on it, which he wasn't. I knew the guy. Um, and so Francisco gets taken to jail and charged with the, the break-in, the crime. He's not given a lawyer. He's not even given food. If he wants to eat in prison, uh, he, someone has to take him food. I did that a couple of times. Um, and... There's something extremely sobering about walking into uh, a high-security facility in another country where the rule of law just doesn't play out like it does here. And it helps you realize how blessed we are. But all this to say, and Francisco eventually was released and, and you know it all worked out, but... It's always the poorest, the lowest guy on the totem pole who suffers the most, is my point. And God understands this. And so you will see in the book of Isaiah and all the other prophecies in the Old Testament this concern that God has for justice, for the opposite of corruption, for his people being the ones who speak up for the people who don't have a voice for his people being the ones who take action to ensure that those who cannot defend themselves are, are looked out for, that we 
are the people that God expects to stand up for what is right and what is good. And this call that is upon us is a particularly difficult one to parse out. Because most of the time, in whatever system we're in, whatever is, seems normal to us will go unnoticed. So the question is, where is the injustice in our society? Where is, where is the injustice around me? What does God want me to do to stand up against it, to speak out against it, to take action uh, that is contrary to corruption or sin? Um, I'll just say this as a, as a brief aside. One of the most important things we do as a church every summer, our youth go downtown and serve in, a, in communities where people are living at or below one and a half times the poverty level. They fix up houses, they bring joy, they share meals, they are just themselves, but they're actively working against the imbalance in our society. They're actively working against these threads of injustice that are all around us. They're waking up and realizing that God wants them to take action to make a difference. And so our first step, if we're listening, is to hear the discord, to let that those um, strange notes affect the way that we feel. We're to hear the discord, but we are also at the same time called to be those who create harmony. That is, we are to take action that moves us and those around us toward those whole notes, those types of music that are soothing and peace-giving, We are to move towards those whole notes by following the path of the Messiah. Chapter 2, verse 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. I want you to think about how ridiculous this claim is at the time Isaiah makes it. So there are foreign militaries all around. They're sort of wedged in between the empire of Egypt and Assyria at this time that Isaiah writes these words. There is war threatening on both sides. They will be swallowed alive by whatever army wants to come and take them over. And Isaiah says, that little hill over there where the temple is, All nations will be flowing to that hill for hope. They will be migrating to that place where forgiveness is found. Where now sits an altar upon which the blood of animals flow that represent the atonement of our sin. But we all know that animals, the blood of animals does not bring about the forgiveness of human sin. So that altar is pointing to something larger, something greater, something truer, and Isaiah sees it. 
And he says, what God is doing there, what he is preparing his people for, this work of atonement through the Messiah, that is the hope of the world. And so God says to us, we are to move towards these whole notes, to follow the path of the Messiah, or follow the path to the Messiah, if you will, and to listen to the living word of God. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And then notice in verse 4, that law, that word that goes up, is a he. Isaiah is pointing us to the hope of the Messiah, the incarnate Son of God, who will come to fulfill all of God's promises of redemption for his people. We are to follow his path and listen to him, the living word of God, to move toward the whole notes and to follow the conductor. Now, I got kicked out of band in, I think, in seventh grade. Here's why. I was a percussionist. That meant I pounded on things, right? Yes, it's very cathartic, is that the word, or or therapeutic, thank you. But I had a problem. I was so fixated on the little notes in front of me and so scared that I would get one wrong, I I never looked up. And there's nothing worse for a band or an orchestra than the percussion section being on a different beat from the conductor. And there's nothing more irritating or infuriating to a conductor than when he or she is trying to make eye contact with the drummer and the moron won't look up from his music. And so the baton would occasionally fly across the room and hit my music stand if I was lucky. And I was eventually asked not to come back to band. So I joined the choir the next year, and when we got to the competition at the end of the semester, the choir director came over, put her hand on my shoulder, and said, will you please just move your lips during the competition? Don't let any sound come out of your body. Yes, yes, she did, and she was right. I was throwing every, literally, it was bad. So how ironic that we're doing a sermon series called Messiah song, and I'm up here, but all this to say, God wants us to follow the conductor, to look up, to pay attention, to follow that lead, to stay on beat and in harmony with what he is doing. This is ultimately the call of Isaiah. Listen, there's a problem. 
There's a separation that has occurred between our hearts and our Creator. But keep listening, because there's hope. There's salvation through the Messiah. And if you'll keep listening past that point, you will see that God has a sanctuary for our souls now and forever. That He wants us to be a people who listen, who lay down our hostilities, who beat our swords into plowshares, to be a people who follow Him, who lay down our hostilities, and who cultivate peace. This metaphor that Isaiah uses here is a strong one. That these weapons of warfare are converted into objects of cultivation and growth. That which was used for death and destruction is repurposed by God to be used for cultivating good in the world. That he would take our fallen sinful hearts and bring them through that same conversion so that I'm no longer at war with the people around me. I find ways to cultivate what is good, what is right, what is holy, what is true in the hearts of those around me. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we acknowledge the separation that exists between our sinful hearts and your holy self. And we thank you that you have provided a Messiah to bring about our salvation from sin and death. And that you have called us into your sanctuary, a place where the weapons that we formerly wielded are turned into implements that bring about growth and good and wholeness in this world. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lead us to be agents of your peace in this dark and hurting world. Help us to remember that the problem starts within each one of us, but the solution lies in our Messiah, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.